The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, if you've uh, chosen to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, or if you have downloaded the podcast and you were listening to this somewhere in the future, you are uh, very valued and we appreciate you tuning in here to uh, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Do this, uh, you know, every single day and uh, just absolutely love what I do and uh, happy to be on the air for you guys and would love to, uh, you know, share some of the opinions that, are, you know, and, and w- that you guys have as well. You're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. You can follow me at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice. You're welcome to follow me there. Send me uh, tweets. So you can share information with me. Whatever you want to do. Uh, obviously, be respectful. I'll be respectful with you back, and uh, let's have uh, let's have some fun. Let's let's enjoy talking sports because it's the best time of the year, man. I mean, look, there's only a few weeks out of the year where we really just like, oh, there's nothing going on. This sucks. You know, baseball's coming out of the All-Star break, and you're still kind of waiting for the trade deadline to make some changes before teams make runs to the postseason. But other than that, man, it is sports, sports, sports. And I'm just a junkie. I love it all, and uh, happy to be back on the air with you guys here after a little bit of a lengthy, uh, lengthy time away with the uh, the old Rona. It got me. Uh, one of our coworkers, Miguel, great guy, works in the uh, works in the ESPN Tucson offices. There is raising money this year to help the children in some of our most needed areas here in Tucson. He's raising money to buy toys for some of our poorest families in Southern Arizona. And we would very much like you to contribute, if you can, um, to this Christmas cause. You can make a donation. Go to ESPNTucson.com, and you can uh, you can help Miguel really make a, a kid's Christmas very special and a very merry one this year. Uh, Miguel, he just, you know, he's a guy that likes to give give back to the community and you can uh, you can assist uh that way just go to espntucson.com and uh have a very merry christmas this is this is the 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 time of giving and uh, it's important that we remember other people uh in this uh in this time especially you know like in the status of the world the way it is right now like we could use a lot more benevolence and uh I'll just leave it at that all right uh coming up at any moment be listening for your cue to call. I could be giving out the phone number for your chance to win those women's basketball tickets. We do have uh, Arizona women's basketball tickets to give away today. Um, that game is going to be for the, the North Dakota State game, which is next Thursday night at the McHale Center. Uh, that game is going to be at uh, 6.30. So we gave away a pair of tickets yesterday. We're going to have a pair of, pair of tickets today, tomorrow, and uh, giving away some some stuff for you guys. There's a there's an interesting story that came out. I, th- I think it was on PFT from you know from Mike Florio, and they're looking at kind of like they're projecting salaries not for players, but for coaches. Now Mike Florio, who does a, a fine job covering the the NFL for for PFT and has some 
very provocative uh, opinions at times. I always appreciate that. Sometimes you kind of roll your eyes at him, but other times you're like, oh, it's very thought-provoking. Here's the, he says this. He says, would you rather pay Jared Goff $33.5 million per year or would you rather pay the best coach in the NFL $25 million per year? Like, if you had your druthers, if you're, if you're the, the owner of an NFL franchise, would you rather give $33 million to a potential you know, franchise quarterback who has won some games, played in a Super Bowl, a guy like Jared Goff? Or would you rather go out? Let's you know. Let's obviously you know. Bill, you know you're not going to hire Bill Belichick for twenty five million dollars a year because he's nearing retirement, even though he's the best coach in America. Um, but you know, let's say Sean McVay or uh, Sean Payton, for that matter, or you know any one of the numerous great coaches in the NFL. Would you rather spend your money there and build a team around your coach as opposed to? a player, a quarterback, and just kind of let things work out. I mean, look at what the New England Patriots are doing right now. They're, again, I've said it a couple times this week, they're not the best team in football, but they play the best football of any team. Like, maybe outside of the Packers, okay? I think that the, the New England Patriots are the most consistently good team this season in the NFL, and they're doing it with a rookie quarterback, with a rookie quarterback whom – Scouts, GMs, you know, uh, guys who are, are are paid lots of money to analyze collegiate, uh, you know, uh, ascensions into the NFL uh, players and such. A, a quarterback who was considered to be, eh, you know, he, he's a first rounder, but that's because he was a quarterback that played at Alabama. We don't really think that highly of Mac Jones, but he'll be drafted in the first round by somebody, dude. <laughs> Have you watched New England play? Mac Jones is second highest rated quarterback in the league. In the league. <laughs> and again, the the roster was retooled by by Bill Belichick. Okay? Did a great job in this offseason in free agency, made big splashes. But it's not like he has, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and he doesn't have you know these wide receiver tandems, you know, these big name, big money wide receivers. I mean, he's got Kendrick Bourne, who's a good player. I remember watching with the 49ers. He's a good player. He looks like a superstar with the Patriots. They're, it is absolutely unbelievable. It's a very thought-provoking opinion statement, you know, whatever you want to call it. Coaches, there are three coaches making more than $15 million per year. Um... Belichick probably making about twenty million right now for the for the Patriots, um, and then I think Sean McVay and, and Andy Reid are the next two uh, highest, uh, rightfully so. I mean they're amazing coach. Maybe Sean Payton might be there as well. Regardless, it's it's a really thought provoking statement. Would you rather like if you know everybody has a budget, right? We know they're billionaires and stuff like that, but they got to run a business. You can't just be like, oh, I got a billion dollars to just throw $25 million here and $30 million here. Obviously, with players, there's the, the salary cap. The coaches, it don't matter. Um, but you have a budget that you have to operate your business within. So you can't just, you know, stop, you start dropping money, you know, millions, tens, and twenties of millions of dollars here and there. You got to run a business. Would you rather spend your money? on a big, you know, a quarterback that's going to demand top five money because of 
you know, arbitrary reasons because he's a quarterback who's put up numbers and his contract is up and his agent is saying he's a top five quarterback and has all these reasons why. And he's, you know, if you're without a quarterback and they're going to hold you to the fire and they're going to make you sign him for $33 million, would you rather just go and get the best coach in the world and pay him a buttload of money? USC, LSU, they kind of followed that same thought, you know, that same thought process. Now, they're not paying players. Well, uh, all jokes aside, they're not paying the players. You know, the, the schools, the institutions are not paying the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the defensive ends to come play football there. They're paying the coach. So what are college coach numbers going to look like, and how is it going to affect the smaller schools. I mean, look, Jetfish is, I, I believe, the second lowest paid head coach in the Pac-12. Okay, the the Arizona athletic department had to pass the hat to get the money to not only buy out Sumlin, but then to go ahead and put together a a you know a, a, a salary pool for Jetfish and his assistants. You know, they they tried to get Don Brown to stay as a defensive coordinator. They tried to put some money together for him to, to stick around here, but he made a decision to go ahead and leave for the UMass job, family, and, and you know, going back home and such. I get it. I, I applaud him for that. I wish him all the best, man. It's, he's a great guy, and I wish him and, and that program all the best. Um, but if, if USC throws $120 million – I'm just throwing a number out there. They throw $120 million at Lincoln Riley. And then LSU throws $100 million at Brian Kelly. Uh, and Oklahoma throws $120 million at, you know, whomever, Luke Fickle or, or, you know, whatever, whatever have you. Notre Dame throws $100 million at Luke Fickle. Now you're going to start seeing schools that are like, we have to pay for these coaches. You know, the, it's, it's all about the coach. And, look, in many cases in college football, it is about the coach. I mean, look at what – Look at what uh, Nick Saban, obviously, you know, he goes to LSU, he turns that program around, wins a national championship, goes to Alabama, a school that was on probation. They'd won less than three or four games a year for several seasons in the early 2000s, turns them around and turns them into the second dynasty of the greatest football program ever. Dabo Sweeney goes to Clemson, where the, the moniker over that school for 50 years has been their clemsoning, meaning like they find stupid ways to lose football games and do stupid things within the football uh, game. It, it, it was called clemsoning. They bring in Dabo, pay him a ton of money because they believed in him, and he turned the program around in two and a half, three and a half seasons, winning national championships, getting all the players, you know. So – it's it's going to it's going to trickle down into college and it already has. I mean, there's coaches making hundreds of millions of dollars at the collegiate level. Nick Saban's now like the fourth or fifth highest paid coach in the country. Guys that are at new schools that have never even coached there are making more money than he is. So it's trickling down and it's going to affect the lesser schools because look, Arizona can't compete with the money that is being thrown around out there. Arizona won't be able to compete with the money being thrown around there by the top six or seven schools in the Pac-12. You know, if Kyle Whittingham, and look, 
the notion is is that Kyle Whittingham is going to retire after the season. If they go to the Rose Bowl, they win a Rose Bowl. There's a good there's a good chance he retires, which is strange to me because he's still young and he's at, you know at the top of his game. And they'll give they'll hand the the reins off to Morgan Scally. But even if they weren't going to be handing the reins off to a guy that's an incumbent, uh, you know, or uh, not an incumbent, but you know, a, a coach in waiting, Utah would probably spend. 60 or 70 million dollars to bring in a coach for long term to keep that program running. Arizona can't compete with that. Arizona's having to pass the hat to pay a guy five million dollars for the length of his contract. So uh, these numbers are just, you know, getting astronomical. But look, it's a coach's game. It's a game that is schemed and there are there is tireless preparation. There's if, if you ever want to read some fascinating stuff, Read about how Bill Belichick studied the like U.S. military and their sleeping habits, like um, like special forces type of guys out in the field, and how they sleep for forty five minutes at a time. But the forty five minutes type of sleep that they get and how they break it up gives them you know five to six hours of sleep time where they only sleep an hour and a half total. It's it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> Just all that all that so you can work harder. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, yeah, pay the guy twenty twenty five million. He's gonna work that hard. All right, it is time to give away a pair of women's basketball tickets. We're gonna jump right into the middle of the segment here. Give them away. Uh be caller number two at five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. That's seven one nine one four nine zero. Caller number two will win themselves a pair of tickets to go see the U of A women's basketball team, number seven ranked team in the country, seven and zero right now, and rolling taking on North Dakota State at the McHale Center next Thursday night. Uh, these are digital tickets. You'll get um, an email. Uh, they'll, they'll be sent to your email, so make sure you have a uh, proper email address. And uh, caller number two will win those tickets uh, at 719-1490. Good luck. So back to this coaching thing. You, you know, there's, it's, it's, coaching is, is its own business in itself, especially at the collegiate level. Like, you, uh, people that, like, there's been this talk about Cliff Kingsbury being, you know, courted by college football programs to come uh, from the Cardinals to go lead their college football program. First of all, he has an under 500 record at the collegiate level. Second of all, why on earth would you ever leave the NFL to go coach college football unless you just absolutely love the, you know, the 365 days a year of, Coaching, babysitting, recruiting, dealing with boosters who have money that make decisions, who have no idea how the game is played or what your thoughts and plans are for your team. Not to mention you got 115 guys on the roster as opposed to 53. You got tons of analysts. You got all these other people. You know, and and, and you know one of the, you know one of like the unsung things that you have to think about. When, when talking about what a college football coach goes through, like a lot of your assistants in the NFL, okay, you have an assistant that, you know, handles, I don't know, you know, whatever, let, let's you know, the dishwashing or whatever. Okay, I'm not, I'm, that's underplaying it a little bit. You have an assistant that handles, uh, you know, an- analysis of special teams, okay? Special teams analysis, you have this analyst. He's probably like a 35 or 40-year-old guy, who's been working in the NFL for several years. You know, maybe he was working in a GM's office or, or whatever have you. 
but you're paying this this person 150,000, 250,000 a year to analyze certain aspects of special teams. At the collegiate level, you have a 21-year-old person who's getting their first job ever doing that job. And it's like you have to trust that person. Like, okay, here your first job is to analyze the uh, the kick formations of our upcoming big game against Oregon. Okay. Yes, sir. And you're like, I'm going to hand this off to this dude? Meanwhile, in the NFL, they got a guy who's a professional making $200,000, $300,000 a year doing that kind of stuff. These are the kind of things you have to deal with at the collegiate level. And there's so much more politicking and stuff that goes on. In the NFL, you have to deal with a, with a, with a CEO. You have an owner. It's a company. Okay? At the collegiate level, it's a company with like 6 million people. <laughs> it's, it is insane. And there's people who don't even work for the company who are just kind of, we'll call them investors, okay, boosters, investors in your company that are going to come in and tell you how to run your business. No thanks. No thank you. I mean, I've said it all along. I've said it for decades. It is the most thankless job. You know, first of all, it's the most thankless job in sports, period, end of story, college football head coach it is unreasonably grueling it is re- it is crazy difficult to do because there is just so much more than just the 60 minutes uh, look i've talked to to football coaches and we're talking about guys who have played for national championships guys that i have had conversations with over the years that say those 60 minutes on the sidelines are the easiest 60 minutes of my day my week my year yeah, it's stressful because you're trying to win a football game, but it's the only time you get to just shut out all of the outside noise and just focus on the football. Outside of that, it is chaos. It's not even controlled chaos. In certain situations, it is controlled chaos. Alabama, I would call it controlled chaos. Clemson, controlled chaos. Probably Oklahoma, Notre Dame, you know, places like that. Elite, the elite of the elite that have these seasoned coaches that they're paying $15 million a year to. They've got it buttoned up. They've got it figured out. Alabama also is closer, more closely run to an NFL franchise than it is to a college football program. They've got assistants and analysts who have played in the NFL, coached in the NFL, coached for decades in college football, that they're paying Three hundred and fifty, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars a year to to analyze the kick formations of the upcoming game against Ole Miss. Meanwhile, uh, you know everybody else has got grad assistant Joey doing it for them. I watched some film, sir. Here we go, and you get two punts blocked in the game. I, you know, it's just you know these are some of the things you have to deal with. So yes. I am in favor of paying coaches more money. Coaches deserve more money. Now, granted, there are a lot of situations where you look at a coach because the stability at the collegiate level, uh, they just leave and they bounce. And, you know, we're seeing it right now, obviously, uh, the carousel going round and round. They just bounce from job to job. It happens. But there's very little job security as well. I mean, Gary Patterson got TCU to the Fiesta Bowl twice. I mean, they, they were a nationally prominent program for the first time ever. TCU, for a long time, was just a really, really 
bad football program. Really bad. Gary Patterson brought in his scheme, ran it there. What was he there, 20 years? 19 years, 20 years, something like that? Shown the door in a 500 season. Now you got to go. Um, he, he's like, well, can I finish out the season? They're like, no. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, these are the things that we don't discuss a whole lot about because it's like, oh, yeah, it's fired. He's a bum, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm all in favor of paying these coaches. And I'll be honest with you. If I'm the Detroit Lions, okay, instead of making the trade and paying Jared Goff $33.5 million, yeah, you're damn right I would go and money whip whoever I think is the best coach in America that's available, that wants to come to Detroit and turn my program around, turn my franchise around. Give them an eight-year contract for $160 million. Boom. Turn my turn my franchise around. I'm going to give you carte blanche. We're going to hire you uh, the best up-and-coming general manager that we can find. You guys are going to work in concert with one another, and we're going to turn this thing around because I'm sick and tired of losing. They paid Matthew Stafford $4 billion. I mean, he was, his, his rookie contract was absolutely insane. Now, the NFL has fixed that, obviously. Things are fine now. Matthew Stafford made a lot of money. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars playing for the Detroit Lions. You know how many playoff wins he got them? Zero. You know how many playoff wins they would have if, let's say, they had gone out and just said, Sean Payton, 10 years ago, Sean Payton, we want you to come run this franchise. Here's $180 million for the next 10 years or next eight years, whatever whatever you want. Please come turn our franchise around. You know how many playoff wins they would probably have right now? Probably five, six, seven, maybe. Who knows? I absolutely think it's more valuable to have yourself a proven coach than it is to have a marginally, maybe, kind of find himself franchise quarterback. Congratulations to our winner of the women's basketball tickets, Derek Alsup. Derek Alsup was our winner. Congratulations, Derek. Thank you for listening. Congratulations and enjoy the game next Thursday night. All right, we still got some more NFL news and notes to get into, but before that, we will do some Wildcat basketball. I want to talk some Wildcat basketball with you guys, men's basketball. We'll talk about Tommy Lloyd's first month at the helm. That's next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Arizona Wildcat men's basketball, the crown jewel of Tucson, of course. Going to be taking on Washington tomorrow night. They uh, opening the Pac-12 season in the first week of December, the second day of December for that matter. Uh, really, really early start, probably one of the earliest starts ever uh, before they, you know, since they've, uh, you know, kind of expanded the uh, the college uh, college basketball season, um, however many, 35 or 40 years ago, whatever it was. Uh, this might be the earliest we've played a, uh, a conference game. Um, I unfortunately will not be there. I am not cleared to do that aspect of my job yet, um, but I will be there in spirit and uh, looking to, rejoin the uh, the team 
on uh, December 15th. Hopefully be back in McHale for the uh, the Northern Colorado game and the Cal Baptist game before they take the Christmas break. Uh, head out, well, they've got a road game uh, after that. They've got to play t- at Tennessee. Um, so, so far, looking at the team, look, obviously 6-0. and They're ranked number 11 in the country in the AP. Ken Palm has them as the number 17 team, and the reason for that is is because their strength of schedule. The strength of schedule has not been good, okay? There's, there's just no there's, – there's no way around it. Uh, you know, they've played teams you – know, NAU, not a good team. Uh, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, not a good team. North Dakota State's not bad. Uh, Wichita State, obviously a good team. Michigan, uh, Ken Palm has them rated at number nine right now. Um, and it, look, there's a lot of things that go into the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that one team is better. It's just that they've performed in against the competition that way. Michigan right now, the number nine team. Of course, Arizona destroyed them uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And then Sacramento State, which is one of the worst teams in the country. Um, so the, the, the strength of schedule, I think, is like number like 299 in the country out of 358 schools. So, again, the strength of schedule is not great. That's obviously going to get ramped up here real soon. Now, they play Washington, who's the Ken Palm 146, and then they travel to Corvallis to play Oregon State on Sunday, who's the Ken Palm 112. Then they come home to play Wyoming, who's the 114th uh, Ken Palm team. Then things get real interesting. Then they go to Champaign to take on Illinois, a top 25 team. They're also going to be playing at Tennessee. So those are going to be a couple of true road games. Obviously, their first true road game is the game at Oregon State coming up on Sunday. But then, you know, they got to travel across the country to take on those two teams, which is going to be difficult. Then they open up the the remainder of the, the Pac-12 schedule uh, after the split in L.A. They take on UCLA and USC. Then they play at ASU. So things get difficult real quick for Tommy Lloyd's Wildcats. Now, if you look at Ken Palm's projections – Okay, just looking at him at the projections that he has here, he has Illinois winning the game seventy-four to seventy-two. He has Tennessee winning the game seventy-five to seventy-one, and then he also has Arizona getting swept very, very close in like four and you know three and four point games in L.A. Then he has Arizona going on a streak to win out the remainder of the season. Now these are just his projections, and obviously these aren't, uh, he, you know, they're, they're not they're not ironclad. But basically, he has them projected for a twenty-seven and four record, which, <laughs> man, if you'd have told me that the the cats were going to be twenty-seven and four in Tommy Lloyd's first year, I, I I wouldn't have called you crazy. I would have just said, man, how bad was the Pac-12 that year? And again, look, Arizona's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but four losses—that's like. That's top five worthy, top five in the country worthy, and Arizona has been playing that way. Um, obviously, with their you know with their wins over uh, a gritty win over Wichita State game, they opened up a huge lead. Wichita State fought back. They went into overtime. They outplayed them there. They out rebounded them. Just played tough, good, gritty style basketball, and then turn it around and smack it around Michigan uh, for an entire forty minutes. You know those are the those are the two games that Arizona is going to hang their hat on right now. The other thing that Arizona can look at as a positive is there's a lot of upsets. It happens every year. This is not anything new for college basketball. But there are teams that are, let's say, a Ken Palm-rated 280 team upsetting a Ken Palm-rated 15 team. These have happened. 
They've happened numerous times already this season. When Arizona plays these schools that are, you know, not anywhere near their level, they don't just win. They demoralize and decimate those teams. They've won these games by 50 points. Like, teams don't do that anymore. Like, the, when you win a, 50, a game by 50 points, it's because you're playing the little sisters of the poor. Okay? Those are the games you win by 50. You don't beat North Dakota State, who's a, a team that returned five starters from last year's team. You don't beat teams like that by 50. Arizona beat them by 52. So they're doing things in, in, a, in, a, in a way that shows you that, yeah, strength of schedule is, has been bad. You know what they also haven't been? They haven't been in a basketball game against any of those teams. Those games were never, ever close. When you look at some of the analytics for Arizona, you look at, at, at you know, some, of the, some of the things that kind of just jump off the page for Arizona. In, according to Ken Palm's rankings, they're the number 13 rated uh, defensive efficiency team in the country. Number 13. We talked about how exciting the offense is going to be and, you know, all, you know, all these uh, you know, things and the tempo. And the tempo's been good. They're number 19 in the country in tempo. They're number four in average position, uh, possession length, which means that, you know, only three teams in the, in the country are getting their shots off faster than the Cats are. But it's their defense that has been so, so good. 13th in efficiency. They're number one in the country in effective field goal percentage defense. Number one. They're number one in the country in defensive two-point percentage. Teams are shooting less than 36% against the Wildcats. They're number 22 in the country in three-point field goal percentage defense. Teams are shooting 26% beyond the arc against the Wildcats. Defense has been stellar. And you know whose defense has really been stellar? is the early front runner for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Christian Coloco. He has been remarkable. You cannot score at the rim against Christian Coloco. He simply will not allow it. You know, Umar Balo's done a nice job as well when he comes in to spell Christian. Uh, Umar Balo's done a really nice job of picking up where Coloco's left off defensively as well. He's been stout in the lane. But Christian Coloco, you cannot deny how dominant he has been defensively. And then you look offensively at what he's doing. Dude. So I, I saw, I think it was yesterday, the, the team put out like a little statistic. There are two, two people, two players in the entire country right now, in all of college basketball, 358 Division One teams, 14 players per team. You do the math. There are two in the country who averaged 16 points, at least 16 points, at least seven rebounds, and at least three block shots per game. Christian Coloco is one of them. Coloco is averaging 16.2 a game, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half blocked shots per game. Uh, You can't can't say enough about his growth. And you have to, look, credit both staffs, okay? You credit Sean Miller and his staff, you credit – Tommy Lloyd and his staff for the work that they've done with Christian Coloco. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine two weeks ago, and we both agreed Christian Coloco is the uh, is the most improved player 
that I've seen in a Wildcat uniform since we saw the transformation of Channing Frye. He is – his growth from his freshman year to right now has been absolutely remarkable. I've never seen anything like it since we saw what happened, what Luke was able to do with Channing Frye. Turn him from what my, – my brother and Channing went to school together. They were best friends in school. Uh, Channing was a good enough basketball player to get to Arizona – but, my goodness, he wasn't ready for college basketball when he got to Tucson. We remember seeing him there. And how good of a player he turned into. I mean, obviously, look at his NBA career that he had. I, I've, I've never seen anyone improve more than those two players in a Wildcat uniform. Those, those two, in my opinion, showed more growth in their time at Tucson than any other players I've ever seen in that uniform. Channing Fry, Christian Coloco. Christian Coloco has been... Nothing short of remarkable this year. He's shooting 71% from the field this year. 71. I think it's like 13th in the country. (laughs) It's just, he's also shooting 78% from the free throw line. He's one of Arizona's best free throw shooters. Can't stop him. He has been awesome. And he's not the only one. You know, there have been other guys on this team who are playing extremely well. You look at what Azulis Tabellas is doing, and look, I... I will sing his praises. I think he's a remarkable a remarkable basketball player. He can do it all. I call him the horse because he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's confident. And I just I, – look, I love his game, and he's a guy that's going to continue to get better as well. He's leading the team in scoring right now. He's also averaging six and a half rebounds per game. He's dishing the ball out. He's getting steals. He's playing defense. He's shooting effectively. Love his game. Benedict Matherin continuing to improve, averaging 14 points a game, almost automatic at the free throw line, and his numbers are going to continue to go up. He's going to continue to shoot better. I like what I've seen out of Kirk Creesa. You know what I like most out of Kirk Creesa? He is averaging one turnover a game, one. Five and a half assists, one turnover a game. That's what we wanted from Kirk Creesa this year. We needed him to not turn the ball over. He will shoot. He will score. He will do, you know, all those things to keep the team on a roll. He's, he's, a, he's an energy injector, right? We love Kerr for that. What we didn't need was a point guard who was going to turn the ball over, and he's been spectacular this year. Dalen Terry, his numbers aren't going to jump off the page. I'm just talking about the starters right now. Dalen Terry's numbers won't jump off the page. He doesn't jump off the box score. You watch him play, he is a massive difference maker in how that team goes. He runs the floor both ends. He runs to offense. He runs to defense. He can body up. He can guard anyone on the floor at any given time, especially when a team decides to go small against Arizona. That's the worst thing you can do against Arizona right now is try to go small because they are so multiple on their wings defensively. And Dalen Terry is the reason for that. And the other thing about Dalen that I love, he is he's turned into a really good, instinctually effective player for Arizona. He knows when he has to score. Situationally, he has been spectacular. He, he has scored big buckets in big moments for this team. His numbers, again, he's shooting 25% from beyond the arc. He's shooting 60% from two. He's averaging just under six points per game, 
averaging about five, I think about five rebounds a game, four assists, kind of doing all of the, you know, all of the little things. Situationally, he's been huge. He's hit some really big baskets in games. When they need, when the team needed him, he's gotten it. So this team is just incredibly impressive right now. And when you look at, I think maybe the most remarkable uh, statistic of when, when you when you look at what they've done this year, you look at the number of assists. Okay, Arizona is averaging twenty four assists per game, which is number one in the country by far. Like it's it's like, not even close. The amount of assists that they give up defensively, okay, this is an astonishing number. Teams average 9.3 assists per game against Arizona. Do you know what ranking that is? That is dead last in the country. That is 358th in the country, meaning that Arizona's assist ratio difference between the teams is plus 14 in favor of Arizona. No wonder they're winning games by 50 points. They're just crushing teams. It is, it's really impressive. It really, really is. The other aspect about Arizona that I'm really impressed by, and again, maybe it's level of competition, and we're going to see these numbers adjust, obviously, as they get into tougher competition. They're the number one defensive rebounding team in the country. Number one. You, you, you can't deny what this team has done. And I'm not going to try to sit here and give all the credit in the world to Tommy Lloyd because the things like rebounding, things like defense, situational scoring, those all are on the players. And it can't be also denied. People talk about, oh, you know, this Arizona team, they, you know, they return some guys. Do you know that Arizona's starting lineup is, what are they, three? I think they're 356. Yeah, 356 out of 358 teams in experience. They are the third youngest team in the country in regards to the amount of experience they have. So it's not like Arizona's running out there with, you know, all these experienced guys and they're just doing their thing. These are young players who have come in, bought into a system, and are playing like hell together. And I mean, these guys play for one another. It's, it's almost like the chemistry, it's almost like Tommy Lloyd can do no wrong with the, with the, the roster that he has. You look at the, the, the lineups that they've run, they've run 10 different lineups this year, you know, like on the floor. It's a blessing to have that kind of confidence in your bench and confidence in your guys to play the two, the three, the four, guys playing the one, the two, you can move guys around. They're multiple. I mean, obviously the centers are going to stay the same, uh, Coloco and Balo. Uh, they're going to play the five. Everybody else is multiple. Everybody else has played multiple positions this year. It's, uh, it's, it's really quite the basketball team. It is really enjoyable to watch, and I can't wait to see a hell of a lot more of this basketball team. And if they are allowed uh, by the NCAA to play in the, uh, in the tournament this, uh, this postseason, look out because this team has potential to blow out any team in the country. Anyone. Doesn't matter. Duke lost. Duke had a 16-point lead last night against Ohio State, lost that game. Anyone is ripe for the picking. And Arizona is right there with the ability to do it. Super excited about the product that we're seeing. Of course, you can head out to McHale Center tomorrow night as the Wildcats take on 
the Huskies to open up the Pac-12 season. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Be sure to tune in from 3 to 6 this afternoon for Spears and Ali. They'll have some great guests on, I'm sure, and a lot of great conversation, fun conversation, as they always have a good time. They're always laughing and cutting up and, you know, so it's a, it's a uh, it's a fun time listening to the show. I enjoy uh, checking them out, listening on the uh, the live stream on ESPNTucson.com or checking out the podcast and stuff. They do get some great guests, and they have some great discussions there. So check them out today from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN Tucson. I, I, I'm not going to get on a soapbox here today. This is not what this is intended to do. It's I'm delivering the news, and I'm going to give you an opinion on something. 79 players in the NFL tested positive for COVID-19 in November. Okay, 70, That's 79 players, and I believe there were like 14 coaches or something like that total. So 93 essentially positive cases in the NFL for the month of November. In September, the NFL saw 26 positive tests. In October, they saw 24 positive tests. So the positive cases have more than tripled in the month of November. Okay? This is my little statement to you. As someone who just got done with COVID, I still have some lingering issues with it that I'm dealing with and that I'm going to be dealing with for uh, for quite some time. Okay? This is not a political stance. Okay? I don't make the vaccination a political thing. It is a personal choice for everyone. That's why we live in America. It's the greatest country in the world. And we are given the opportunity to make those choices for ourselves. I just want to urge people to find ways to protect yourself. If you don't want to get the vaccination or if you're not vaccinated, whatever reason you have, whether it's religious or medical or just personal reasons why, okay, that's fine. Find ways to protect yourself. It is running rampant right now. I have dozens of friends and family who are positive right now. It is crazy. Please protect yourself and your loved ones and make your holiday. Don't don't end up 2021 on a bad note. Let's have some positive positivity here for the month of December as we get ready for the greatest time of the year, the holiday season. All right? Just protect yourself. Find ways to do it. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider from Arizona Sports, for joining us, talking to some Cardinal football. And, of course, thanks to Mary back in studio. And I will see you guys again tomorrow right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.